This is Who Kicked the Corner Flag, an English soccer game show podcast. And here's your host, James Rose. Greetings and welcome to the eighth episode of our third season and the time for local Kansas City folks to brace for an October winter. But hopefully our pleasant punditry will keep you warm for the next 45 minutes as we quiz out all the action from the weekend's fixtures. My first guest is the leader of the KC Spurs fan group, the man whose Spurs fan book club therapy sessions are increasing in attendance and is still trying to return lost Liverpool fans back to the Dubliner. Lost indeed. It's Jared Bustamante. How are you, bud? Oh, I'm doing just fine. Doing just fine. And uh, you're, you're you're absolutely right. You know, the uh, just the success of Liverpool has... You know, I've seen a lot of new jerseys with a lot of uh, a lot of folding creases uh, uh, still in them, and 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 they're on wayward wayward uh, Liverpool fans. So, Casey Cop, if you're listening, you haven't answered us on Twitter. Uh, get your people, <laughs> come and claim them. They seem very lost. Uh, and he's joined by the leader of the Kansas City Gooners, the man who loves to podcast on mute, and who has nominated Granite Xhaka to be the next makeover candidate on Queer Eye. Intriguing. It's Boyce Richardson. How are you, bud? You know, if I lose this podcast today, I'm just going to pull a granite jacket and be like, screw you guys, I'm going home. <laughs> going home, march down the tunnel, take off the shirt. Good. Yeah, take your shirt off, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like granite jacket, I'm at least going to have the grace to have an undershirt on when I do that. Love it. <laughs> All right, as usual, let's start with the question of the match. The contest where each person gets a statistical question from the most significant fixtures of the weekend. Now, since there are three categories and only two contestants, Jared will get an extra quiz question here, and Boyce will get an extra quiz question on Rumor Mill to follow. Uh, so here are this week's topics. Fort Anfield, Gunners Vard, Nine Round Leicester. So, Jared, go ahead and pick a topic for us. <clears throat> well, you know, I uh, let's get let's get Spurs out of the way. I never know if boys would pick Spurs, but uh, if if anyone's going to do it, I'm going to do it. Just go ahead and take that topic. Liverpool come from behind to take all three points against Tottenham Hotspur thanks to a Henderson equaliser and a Mo Salah penalty. The final score here was two to one. All right, Jared, here's your quiz question. Tottenham now find themselves in the bottom half of the Premier League table for the first time since what year? 2014. Or 2006? Uh, it's 14 last... It was, uh, um, 06. Unlucky, but no, it is 2014. <laughs> of course it's more recent than that. <laughs> Son of a... I think we were literally... Uh, I say we, Tottenham were in it for maybe two or three games, and then they, they jumped back out of it again, but... Uh, Yep, Spurs are in there right now, though, that's for sure. Uh, I will say, though, arguably a, a slightly better performance from Spurs in this. Uh, but was it just a case of Liverpool being that good, uh, especially at Anfield, or were Spurs somewhat the architects of their own downfall here? Um, <clears throat> I think it's probably a mixture. I mean, honestly, there's a little bit of bad luck in there. I mean, you're looking at Sonny had a very realistic look at at uh, uh, at two goals in this match, and but for the woodwork. Now... It's uh, kind of calling luck, you know, both ways. Off the woodwork falls straight to an unmarked Harry Kane, because why would you? Um, and <laughs> it puts it away, you know, 49 seconds into the match. But <clears throat> honestly, Spurs came in with a game plan and absolutely executed. I mean, you and I were talking about this. Uh, you know, who knew that that the vertical ball uh, turned out to be uh, Liverpool's downfall uh, it, in this match? 
They are remarkably impressive with how quickly they get behind the ball. But Spurs found a way with pace and, and, and vertical ball to get in behind, and they were effective, and they were really able to cause some problems in, in the back of Liverpool. Mm. Uh, but couple that with the fact that Liverpool are just a phenomenally talented team, and <clears throat> there were times when <laughs> it was just luck went the other way, right, and kind of helping us out. Uh, by you know sending us Paolo Gazzaniga, I think it was what twelve saves. It was a lot. <laughs> uh, uh, it was. I mean, it was an unreal uh, performance from Paolo Gazzaniga, and it. Uh, you know, I, I still, uh, I, I, I still don't think it was a penalty. Um, but that being said, I don't think you can say that Liverpool did not deserve to win, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think you know VAR was absolutely wrong, um, but I'm. I'm heartened by the result, which is a weird thing to say, obviously, after a loss. But, I mean, Liverpool are going to win the league. And we hung in at Hanfield. And at this point, I am just – I am reaching for anything that is going to make me happy. And you know what? They didn't lay down. Uh, uh, and I am heartened by it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I am I am heartened by, you know, the performance of Gazaniga on the back. You know, anybody lamenting the loss of Hugo, I think, you know, the helm is in, you know, uh, in, in good hands. You get Harry on the score sheet, however flukish it might have been. I think it was a heads-up play. Um, <laughs> and uh, Serge Aria didn't get a red card. So, I mean, these are all things that, that, that we need to – uh, that we need to take to the bank. But at the end of the day, uh, they got to start winning football matches because this is not sustainable. Um, and uh, I'm excited for Giovanni Lo Celso because I got to tell you, uh, you know, Lo Celso came on in, I think, the 86th minute. And he only completed, I think it was 12 fewer passes than Christian Eriksen. That, uh, that's get a scary stat. Him, <laughs> get him out. Get him off. I have... You know, I've turned a 180 uh, to any listeners who've been like I've oh, on high on Christian Erickson, keep him in the squad, do what you need to do to keep him. But at this point, cut bait, get the bag of balls from Spain, and then let's go forward. Because you know what? There's plenty of talent on this team, and we can we can make some waves. Maybe time to salvage it. Uh, boys, we're 10 games in now. Uh, how heavy are Liverpool now as title favorites? You know, I think that's a better question to ask once the Liverpool City match happens in a couple of weeks. Ah, good point. Um, yeah. You know, you, you look at both the matches last year, you're talking about a missed Riyad Mahrez penalty away from Manchester City actually winning both of those matches. I, I think in the event that Liverpool are able to come away with it or even get a draw at Anfield in the early part of the season, I think you start to feel a little bit more comfortable just because, you know, we're living in a world where Liverpool, I think, from a team standpoint, are perhaps the best in the Premier League. You know, you could argue that Manchester City have a better collection of individual talent, but that Liverpool have a better team. But, you know, you don't have to look any further than the last year. There was an opportunity for Liverpool to stretch it out to, I think, 10. And instead it went down to four, and then they ultimately lost. The problem for teams that are vying for Liverpool's spot this year, which really City, City's the only team vying for the for the championship one way or the other outside of Liverpool is that they've had luck, and that's the one thing that Liverpool didn't really need. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can argue that the luck has been conjured out of Liverpool's insatiable desire to hit the ground, and in some ways it has been at least a little bit manufactured, but the manufacturing of that luck comes through talent. Mm-hmm. And I think of all of the teams in the Premier League this year, outside of that one Sadio Mane instance where it went off of his hand and they had the, the goal disallowed, 
I think Liverpool have actually played too far better than any other team in the Premier League. And it could, you know, again, accusations could fly that Liverpool were just ready to go to the mat a lot faster than any of the other teams. But they played it well. And they've had multiple instances where they got lucky against Sheffield United, where the ball went through the keeper's leg. They've had at least, as I can recall, through 10 games this year, at least two plus 90-minute penalties. And again, in the 75th minute in this match, they got another penalty. Salah puts it away. They end up winning 2-1. And I don't really know what you take it from it as a Spurs fan. You know, walking away with a one-goal loss at Anfield is always a positive. But Liverpool seems to be pulling out these matches left and right this year. So I'm not necessarily sure what that means. But I do know Liverpool is a quality team. They survived an entire match with Dejan Lovren. Paired with Virgil van Dijk. So it's basically like the yin and the yang of their entire team, where you have ostensibly the best defender in the Premier League paired with one of the worst. And they still came out with a 2-1 victory against Spurs. So Mm -hmm. I I think if you're Liverpool, you got to be feeling pretty confident right now. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our next one. And boys, you're up next. We have Gunners Vard and Nine Round Leicester. I wonder which one you're going to pick. Let's just talk about Arsenal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Gunners failed to register a win against Crystal Palace thanks to a very questionable VAR call. Final score here is 2-2. Two to two. Uh, Boys, here's your quiz question. Of Arsenal's 15 shots in this game, how many were on target? Is it three or six? <laughs> in my mind, this is always going to be the worst. So, three... Unlucky, but no, it was actually six, slightly more <laughs> hey. than the deemed three. But uh, no, it was six in that one, so unlucky there. Uh, VAR or not, uh, go ahead and give us your overall takeaway from this performance, and more specifically, Granite Xhaka's attitude, his mentality, whatever the hell's going on with him as he was uh, being substituted. I think the bigger problem with Arsenal this year, and the one that sort of manifested itself throughout the entire 10 matches of the season, has been Unai Emery's lack of decisiveness when it comes to formations and the fact that he seems to think that Arsenal need to mold themselves around whatever the other team is going to do. He wanted to get Pal on the pitch this time. So Pepe, Aubameyang, and Lacazette. So he played what was ostensibly a 4 4 2 formation. And in the end, all it did was separate the forwards from the rest of the team and basically exacerbate a midfield issue that's been pervasive throughout Arsenal's formations all year long. There's no connectivity between the back line and the front line. You look at Aubameyang in this game. He he had two shots on goal, both of which I think came outside of the 18-yard box. It, it's just not going to work. There's no connectivity. It, it's poor. Arsenal scored two goals in the first 10 minutes off of set pieces from admittedly a, a nice shot from Socrates and then good movement from David Luiz to be able to score a goal. And then in contemporary Unai Emery fashion, bunkered. And it was absolutely ridiculous. They were, you know, again, whether or not that Zaha penalty is a penalty or not, I I tend to think that Arsenal were victimized by VAR twice in this match. I think Zaha's looking for contact. He does a thing where I, I legitimately think there's a distinction between tripping over somebody's leg and then seeing a leg and basically actively diving over it, which is exactly what Zaha did. It's the reason that Martin Atkinson pulled out a yellow card and the reason that he carded him for the first place in a dive. You know, they said that the person that was behind VAR this time had never actually refereed a Premier League match before, which is insane. So you have somebody in the booth who's never actively refereed a match before, who's making game-changing decisions. And in the first place for the Zaha one... You know, in retrospect, maybe that is actually a penalty. 
And Arsenal's defending on the second goal is abhorrent. And, you know, we can talk about Xhaka first because I think that incident happened before the manifestation of VAR that was just embarrassing. But you look at Grant and Xhaka and, and people that are better at this than me have analyzed this week, this this week and kind of broken it down into its component parts. But I really do believe that in the beginning, people are so tired of Unai Emery and his substitution tactics and his refusal to remove Granite Jaka from the lineup that I think the sarcastic applause in the beginning is is more related to Unai Emery than it is to Granite Jaka. It is basically an admonition from the crowd at the Emirates that of surprise that he's making a substitution that's of an attacking nature and then secondarily that he's taking out Granite Jaka. And let's be honest, Jaka wasn't particularly terrible in this match. It was just a situation where Emery's tactics had led to sacrificing a 2-0 lead and having it be equalized at 2-2, and he was looking for some offensive mechanics behind it. And then the problem is the fact that Xhaka hears that sarcastic applause and then turns himself into Hulk Hogan from 90s wrestling and starts trying to be (laughs) a pantomime villain and cupping his ear and throwing the armband on the ground and taking off his jersey. And I I think... if That would have been Hollywood Hogan voice when he turned heel. This is not Hulk, just... Just yeah. make sure we have the timeline. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. What did he go to? <laughs> Whatever the alternative wrestling organization was that I don't remember now that I'm 36 years old and not watching that anymore. But uh, <laughs> I think you look at it and you see how meek and unauthoritative Unai Emery is because even as you know, we're recording this on a Tuesday night. Earlier statements came out today that Unai Emery went to Granite Jaka's house, told him he needed to do apologize, and Jaka told him to go fly a kite. And wow, damn, I didn't know that. Yeah, he said that he wasn't going to apologize for his actions. And Unai Emery is already entering into a circumstance where he doesn't really appear to have any authority. Rumors are that the players still want Granite to persist as captain, which I think is also ridiculous. It's just one of those situations where he's now putting things back to a vote because he can't stop putting things to a vote, even though he's the man that gets multiple millions of dollars a year to be able to exercise authority and determine what the lineup is and, you know, choose a captain. I, it's just ridiculous. I, it, it's indicative of the fact that he needs to go, yeah. that there's no benefit anymore to continuing this relationship with him. And that I think extending it won't really accomplish anything. I, you know, I think the matchup of the Liverpool B team against the Arsenal B team tomorrow at Anfield in a cup tournament that I, you know, let's be honest, isn't really one of the bigger deals throughout the year in terms of trophies isn't going to determine what Unai Emery's future is. I think you're looking much more to Wolves on the weekend. But if Arsenal don't take three points against Wolves, I it, it has to be over. Somebody mm-hmm. has to take charge to do it. And as far as the VAR circumstances, nobody in the bar understood it. And we had the benefit of multiple replay angles. And still, I've watched that probably 20 times. In my mind, the first question is, is that a penalty kick for Arsenal based on the foul of Chambers in the box? It is not a... <laughs> Callum Chambers is surrounded by three Crystal Palace defenders. And somehow, somebody who's not Martin Atkinson, again, who allowed the goal, decides that it's not. And Martin Atkinson doesn't even go over to the monitor to see whether or not he thinks it would be a foul. And to Jared's credit, I, I tweeted this out earlier. I meant it when I said it. I mean, this is the the absolute worst existence of VAR that you could possibly have. Mm. You know, VAR's not checking offside. They're not checking anything else. It's supposed to be a clear and obvious error. 
a center gives a goal for what is clearly a goal, and some dude in the bar chamber that has never refed a Premier League match before in his life makes a decision that ultimately deprives Arsenal of two points. Yeah, it's insane that something that is supposed to be designed to determine like robotic, this person was not offside. This person was. I terms of identity, clear and obvious errors, is now being used to deprive teams of a goal that I mean it should have stood. I, and I say that as if the exact reverse had happened, I'd be here a little bit more thankful. But I would also give you the exact same answer. I mean, it is one of the worst uses of instant replay I have ever seen in my existence. And that's saying something, that's for sure. Uh, Jared, let's talk about Palace here. Currently sitting sixth, uh, sixth in the table. What do we think of their forward progress? Is this just kind of a, a good spell for them, or have they got something, uh, you know, some potential here? Uh, well, I just got to kick it off at the beginning. Uh, VAR is just absolutely miserable. Like, And the, the fact that, you know, it doesn't matter to me that Arsenal if it were administered correctly it would have won like it's just it is an absolutely miserable rollout it's a horrible idea burn it with fire anyway when it comes to palace i think uh i mean you've kind of looked at this at, at the moment it's really anybody's league and you i don't know if this is uh kind of the league listening to uh wilfried zaha uh and all that about how he's been kind of been targeted the past couple of years and all of that but um no one's going to be happier than Wilfried Zaha having a yellow card rescinded with respect to VAR and diving in the box, right? Um, but, I mean, the guy's scoring goals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and you look at this, I mean, considering the fact you know, who Palace have, who Palace have played, I mean, they're gathering points that are really kind of, I don't know, uh, I sit here as a Spurs fan sitting on 12th, I'm kind of jealous of it. But um, they had some stuff go their way with the red card against Wolves uh, uh, that ended up in a draw. Um, you know, they beat West Ham, they beat Norwich, um, they only lost 2-0 to City, um, and then, you know, they they nick a point uh, uh, at Arsenal. Uh, so again, a little bit of good favor here going in, but, I mean, you have you have Cahill in the back, Milivojevic, uh, who, you know, looking, looking him up with respect to being automatic on penalties, I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've, I mean, the guy is absolutely awesome. You have Jordan Ayew, who scored one goal in the premiership last year. And now he, he scores his fourth, uh, here. So, uh, uh, again, you know, things are kind of trending upwards for this, uh, uh, for this palace team. And it's really, uh, it's really going to be frankly up to them <laughs> if they can keep it going. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Roy Hodgson has kind of put together a nice little start here. Obviously they've, you know, they got away with one, uh, I think, you know, this weekend, but I'll tell you what, I would gladly, I would gladly trade places with them. Jared, we're over to you for the last one of this uh, this round. Leicester break a Premier League record by scoring nine unanswered away goals against Southampton. The final score here is nine. Would you believe it? Nine nil. Um, so here's your quiz question. Which other current EPL club managed to score nine unanswered goals in a game against Ipswich Town back in 1995? Was it Manchester United or Liverpool? 1995. Yes, sir. Uh, that strikes me as like a all the those early Giggsy teams and all that. United. Yes, sir. It is Manchester United. Sure. Woo, the other some, red ones. All right. <laughs> we got some points. Two points Good on Lord. the board. Nice work there. Um, 
So we've talked about Leicester in the past here, uh, especially last week. We said, okay, they're, they're certainly kind of flirting with top four, locking that in. But are they potentially title contendants here? Or what, what do we think about that? I don't know. I mean, I... I know I said earlier, I, I think Liverpool are going to win the league, and I do and I do think that. I agree with Boyce that it's going to be a whole lot clearer um, what happens in that City match um, here coming up. But, um, I mean, they're eight points back. Uh, they've gotten some nice results. I think that's going to be up to basically if Liverpool and City just kind of eat each other um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, and Leicester can keep this going. I mean, because mm-hmm. that's... Now, at the end of the day, no, we always talk about that. You know, it's uh, you know, good teams win the games they're supposed to win, right? And Leicester have proven themselves to be a good team. You know, no one can really deny that now. So now it's, you know, whether or not they are going to play with Leicester City football that has gotten them to here, or are they a good team that is not going to win the games that they're supposed to win, like Tottenham Hotspur? Um, and, you know, thus frustrations abound. But, uh, you know, there's no denying that Brendan Rodgers has – really put something together here mm-hmm. um a uh, uh a team that i mean let's if you look at their schedule going forward you know they do have next three games palace at palace home to arsenal at brighton and then they have everton and watford so you expect them you know honestly i'm i'm looking at november 9th Leicester hosting Arsenal. I think um, if after a couple of weeks here, Arsenal can kind of figure their stuff out. They they've proven you know that they can look dangerous, uh, uh, and if Una Emery can kind of you know f- figure something out. If if Leicester win, if Leicester come out of that stretch of three games with seven or more points, then I think we're really looking at something. I think they're absolutely in the running for top four. You know, unless they kind of trip over the line, but it's really going to depend on. Uh, if Liverpool and City falter with respect to, you know, all the competitions that they're in, but those teams have proven that they have the depth to deal with that. Mm. So in the roundabout way and not answering your question, uh, no, I don't think they're title contenders, but I do think uh, uh, they will certainly make a run for top four. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Boys son on Southampton here. How did they manage to concede nine goals at home in this particular fixture? I think it's just an avalanche or a rolling boulder sort of scenario, right? Where you concede one, Ryan Bertrand does something stupid, you concede a few more, and then it honestly looked like everybody gave up. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's one thing for everybody to give up on the road and give in to the joy and exuberance of the home crowd, but to do it at your own, <laughs> your own venue and just keep going. The entire match, the fact that to give Jamie Vardy, you know, a hat trick and then turn around and give Iosi Perez a hat trick and allow a Rebecca Vardy redemption story after all of her run ins with (laughs) Pauline Rooney over the last month. You know, it's just a message written in the stars. Uh, You know, I saw that Hassan Hoodle and the whole first team squad gave up their week's salary and donated to charity after that result and to be fair it was completely warranted i mean it was just a capitulation of the utmost extent and you know it's one of those situations where you look at southampton you look at some of their results this year they've played half decent they've been competitive and they've shown at least some fortitude in defense and this just isn't a team that i would have ever guessed even down a man would concede 
concede nine goals, much less to to Lesser, who I think are a very dangerous offensive squad, but not one that I thought was going to put up a nine spot against anybody this year. I just, I think if you're a Southampton fan and you're looking at the bottom of the table right now and that you're tied with Watford on goal differential at negative 16 when you were only negative seven the week before, you might be a little concerned. And I think this is just the way that it goes with new managers, right? Like I, I think at some point in the middle towards the end of last year as well, you would have looked at Hassan Hoodle and you would have said, oh man, there's a guy who's primed for great things. But I think you're going to see a lot about him over the coming few weeks because how you recover from something like this, I, I don't even know. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's having watched in the last decade Arsenal lose 8-2 at Old Trafford. That wasn't exactly a enjoyable <laughs> match to get through but that was a an inexperienced arsenal squad who again went down to 10 men and ended up losing by six there was a point in this match where i was wondering whether or not lester were going to be the first premier league team to get into double figures and at some point you just you just can't recover from that yeah. and i think you have to look at the whole entire southampton back line you know they played a, a secondary lineup today in the league cup and lost i think it was Three-one or something like that. I believe it was to City. I'm not actually positive, but yeah, I think it was. Yeah, and this is going to be another campaign where Southampton are all in on avoiding relegation in the Premier League, and will probably somehow beat Arsenal at the St. Mary's. Because what more of an annual tradition do we not all love than Southampton <laughs> beating Arsenal at St. Mary's? Well, they've done it to Spurs too. They actually did it last season, I believe. It was two. I was about to say, yeah, they did. <laughs> Lesser had 25 shots. In this Ooh, match, honestly, which you know it's one that is six less shots than Watford had against Arsenal with eleven men, and they only scored twice. <laughs> Bednarek's tat challenge at the end of that match says it all. I mean, that just for him to look up and be like, "Wait, what? That's a penalty?" I mean, <laughs> full on tackle from behind on Vardy. You're just like. And my favorite part of it is if you go back and watch the replay uh, of it and you can see uh, there are probably, oh, I don't know, 30 Southampton seats and four people in them. And and can you blame them? Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, but uh, I, I didn't know that about the wages. I think that's I think that's actually pretty great. Yeah. I- no, I mean, that tackle at the end of the Leicester match looked like Matteo Guendouzi's tackle on Zaha at the end of the Arsenal match, except it was in the box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, guys, let's go ahead and move on to our next game of the contest, which is, of course, another round of rumor mill. The rules are the same as before. I'm going to provide a line or quote from a newspaper or online resource. All the guys have to do is tell me if it was actually printed or something that is purely fictional, something make-believe. Two points for a correct guess, and Boyce is up first with this one. Arsenal striker Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is a proud owner of a Ferrari known as the LaFerrari that can reach 60 miles an hour in just 2.9 seconds. Sure. Yes. <laughs> it is true. Yes, that is absolutely correct. It is uh, worth those two points. I think he was driving it around town in a video where he started getting abused by fans, which just seems very wrong because it didn't seem to be his fault that Arsenal. Yeah, this let's slide. let's let's abuse our primary goal scorer and the man that's basically single-handedly carrying Arsenal through the season right, right now. Yeah, that's, that's, that's... <laughs> we're angry that he won't give you an autograph. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah. That person. 
should go jump off a cliff somewhere. <laughs> well, that video has gone viral, so maybe some will identify him. Uh, Jared, this next one is for you. Manchester City boss Pep Guardiola has been heavily linked with a move to Real Madrid, with the Spaniard reportedly wanting to write the next chapter in his managerial story. Um, n- no. Hasn't, he, hasn't it been with uh, going to Juventus? I'm going to say no is the answer, but I, I thought it was Juventus, not Madrid. I should give you a bonus point, Jared, because it is false. I did make it up, and the rumors were actually Juventus. Uh, so bonus points. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, you will, <laughs> but you will get two points. Uh, yeah, so the rumors were that he obviously wanted to go to Juventus. I think that kind of quietened down a little bit now. I think City seemed to be kind of keeping him happy. Things obviously seem pretty content there maybe i guess we might hear some more murmurings at some point in the future but uh, yes nice work jared that was uh, that was made up all right boys this last one is for you brendan rogers has told midfielder james madison that leicester is a place for him to flourish amid interest from manchester united in the 22 year old englishman i mean sure if i'm brendan rogers i'm telling james madison that you know, whitewashing fences is the greatest thing in the entire world and that he needs to keep doing it. And who the hell would want to go to Manchester United right now? I was going to say, well, maybe maybe the fee, but uh, uh, it is true, yes, according to the Leicester Mercury, because they're not biased uh, about writing this story. Um, yes, <laughs> Brendan Rogers. Stay! <laughs> Brendan Rogers did say those words to James Madison. I think the bigger question is James Madison's had uh, offer, well, potential offers from Man United. I think Tottenham have maybe put in uh, interest in there too. Do you see him yeah. yes, staying? Yeah. Do you see him staying at Leicester to be the kind of like Vardy did? Do you see him sticking around at Leicester, or do you think he could be uh, tempted away, boys? I mean, let's be honest about the course of the season right now. It looks like James Madison and Leicester City are on track for top four in the Champions League. And United and Spurs are on track for either not the Europa League and nothing or the Europa League. And if you're James Madison, what a lure does playing for Manchester United have for you right now? I don't know if that means whether or not he'll stay at Leicester the entire time. But, you know, between that and you're looking at a Spurs lineup that now has Lo Celso and, and Tange and Dombele and keeps inserting Harry Winks into the lineup when, I mean, I'd take James Madison over harry winks mm-hmm. every time every every, every 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 <laughs> last time i saw harry winks completed like 12 passes in an entire match so that was great at any rate what a guy uh no I, I think that i think if you're james madison you stay at lester because lester looks like it's actually built to compete and play in the champions league and finish in the top four mm-hmm. and yeah the other teams might have more money in bigger stadiums but if you're looking to play in the premier matches and play at a high level i, I think the way that this season's on track for you stay at Leicester or with all of the mega tons of money that you're going to have or they're going to have, you go play for Chelsea, who uh. are about to have $11 billion worth of money. And <laughs> uh, yeah, I, that's, I, I think if he goes anywhere, I, I think he goes to Chelsea next mm-hmm. year, assuming they finish in the top four. And Harry Maguire is uh, not a happy guy right now because he left Leicester for United and Leicester. Which uh, is funny. <laughs> I think everyone's laughing I do at find that hilarious. All 
All right, guys, let's go ahead and move on to our last game, which is, of course, another round of player profile. In this, I'll provide five different clues to a Premier League player, each clue easier than the last. The first person to shout their name and correctly guess said player wins those points. But you only get one guess as an incorrect shot will freeze you out. This week's category is titled Spot Kicks. Spot Kicks. This translates to players who have taken a penalty this season, at least one. Uh, this season, now they could have scored it, they could have missed it, but they have been responsible for a spot kick. All right, guys, ready to do this? All right, let's go. Most Law, Harry Kane, <laughs> victory. Could <laughs> And Boyce wins. No, I'm just kidding. All right, player play number one <laughs> is an Englishman. Plays for a London club. Jared. Yes, Jared. Oh, God, I'm going to regret it, aren't I? You damn well better. Who are you? Who, uh, are you, who are you going with? Oh, uh, okay, <laughs> Harry. Harry. It is Don't. not Harry Kane. God no. bless him. Oh, I knew it, James. I knew it. <laughs> that does freeze you out, Jared. You fell perfectly into that well-designed trap. Uh, so, boys, sit back, relax. These last clues are for you. Has been with his club since 2004. Is a central midfielder. First name is Mark. Oh, can I guess again? <laughs> uh, you are frozen out, so uh, it is on voice, but I might have to time it out. Uh, you might have to start playing the Jeopardy music. So London <laughs> Club, uh, yeah, Mark Albrington. It is not uh, whoever it that is, is. Mark Noble. It is Mark oh, Noble. Yeah. Ah. Mark Noble scored a penalty versus Watford at the start of the season. Gotta love that West Ham legend, question mark. Um, but anyway, uh, Mark Noble. Yeah. <laughs> Well, obviously. Mark Noble take, taking the ball away from a West Ham fan who actually stormed the field last year and all pissed off that they were losing. He's a legend in my book. <laughs> Forever blowing bubbles at those fans. Uh, all right, player number two is 33 years old. Is another Englishman. Boyce. Yes, Boyce. James Milner. Wow, yes, sir, it is James Milner. Nice grab. And that'll get you those two points on that one. Uh, the other clues. Redemption. Redemption. <laughs> 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 used to play for Manchester City, now plays for Liverpool. First name is James. Uh, and this particular spot kick was against Leicester in the last minute to give them the win on the 5th of October. Good old James Milner. Uh, but nice work on that, boys. All right, player number three is an Argentine is 28 years of age. Jared. Yes, Jared. Aguero. Ooh, unlucky, but no, it is not Isn't Aguero. is he like 30? <laughs> I don't know how old he is. Um, he's not that old. He's, yeah, he's around, maybe around that age, but uh, no, unlucky, Jared, that does freeze you out. So once again, boys, these clues are for you. Scored a penalty against Arsenal this season. <laughs> Plays for Watford. First name is Roberto. Oh, he doesn't even know it, does he? <laughs> I don't think I do. Uh, I have no idea. All right. Well, the answer on this one. Jared, do you have any second guesses? Uh, I don't, but I think that's my terrier thinking he knows the answer. So whatever he said. <laughs> He's right. Uh, it is Roberto Pereira. Roberto, is that how you say his name? Pereira? Pereira? I can't even say it. But anyway. Uh, so you he... guys know that, that they've scored two goals against everyone else. In nine matches, and then they scored two goals against Arsenal. <laughs> just, 
<laughs> just wanted to get that out into the oh Watford, gotta love them. They're the upset merchants for sure. Um, player number four right. is a can Jared uh... guess early again, so I can get this one around too. <laughs> uh, player number four is a Frenchman. Boys, yes, boys. Nicola Pepe. It is not. No, unlucky there. And that does freeze you out. So Jared this time gets the remainder of the clues. Uh, This guy missed a penalty against Wolves this season. Plays for Manchester United. A central midfielder. First name is Paul. Uh, That would be Paul Pogba. That uh, would be absolutely correct. Yes, and it'll get you those two points. Gotta love Paul Pogba. Is he still the designated penalty taker for Manchester United or is it Rashford now or is it Maguire I mean who who knows who I, I mean Rashford Rashford's starting to look good I mean honestly uh I I'd hand it over but I, something tells me good luck taking the ball from I was gonna say yeah as soon as they get it they're just fighting over it um guys here's what's interesting this game is tied we are both at six points apiece so it literally comes down to this last one uh, don't get too excited uh so here we go. Player number five plays for a London club. Jared. Yes, Jared. <laughs> Luka Milivojevic. It is not. No. no that was an incredible shout, though. I will give him. I will give it to Jared as I hopefully <laughs> claim this by blowing it yet again for a third time. We could go to a tiebreaker. Uh, the other clues is 26 years old. Uh, another Englishman. Is a striker, quote unquote. He's one of their own. It is Harry Kane. It is Harry. That's why I thought it would be perfect for Jared to get that. (laughs) I thought that's where he was gonna go. I did. I did. Uh. Oh man, that uh, it is Harry Kane, and that'll get you those two points. Guys, that is the game, and here are the fun scores. Jared, bud, you came away with six, but boys, congratulations. Oh, we know. We I have to do it officially. It's all part of the rules here. Who kicked the corner flag? I have to officially anoint Boyce as the contest winner today with eight points. How are you feeling, bud? Like I want to fire Unai Emery. Ah, yes. Well, can I, uh, can I follow that statement with yes, I agree? Um, no, but uh, things aren't obviously going so well at Arsenal, but uh, they have... Remind me who they have again. And Wolves, you said, this weekend? Yeah, it's Wolves on the weekend, and then as Jared pointed out a little bit earlier, it's Leicester away, and I actually think that that is the the final match before the next interval. That so uh, yeah, I think we got a week or two weeks maybe. Yeah. So I'm thinking, thinking unless Unai Emery takes six, maybe at a minimum four, with that one being at Leicester, uh, we're in the last dying days of the Unai. Emory administration. Interesting. Right. Interesting, yeah. Uh, Jared on Spurs. They have Everton away. Now, their away form has been pretty rough uh, of late. Can they turn it around? Form has been rough. <laughs> Much less away. <laughs> True. Uh, look, I mean, it's um, against Everton. Uh, yeah, you have to expect to go in there and win. I mean, that place is on fire right now. Um, and I, I do think here coming up, you know, in the next month, it is an, it, it is absolutely huge. You have winnable domestic matches with Everton, Sheffield and West Ham and then Bournemouth. Uh, and then you have winnable champions league matches, must win matches in your group, 
uh, a way to uh, uh, Red Star Belgrade, uh, and then host to Olympiacos. So uh, both of those teams have done you favors, uh, and now is the time to just dispatch them as you should. Uh, so really talk to me after Thanksgiving uh, with whether or not, you know, this has been kind of a true, a true kind of turnaround because all of this leads up to uh, uh, Old Trafford on December 4, and we're going to know in a month whether or not that that match is something that's going to continue momentum for Spurs and really push for something uh, top four. Uh, or, as Boy said, if if things don't go well there, well, then you're looking at, you know, Europa League or, hey, just pull a Chelsea and just win the whole damn thing uh, of Champions League and get in that way. But huh. it, uh, I I guess, you know, short answer, we, we will see. Mm-hmm. Talk to me in a month. Mm-hmm. Dark times indeed for both clubs. Wouldn't it be interesting if they happen to both fire their managers on the same weekend? I think that would be historic. But, uh, hey. Oh, I don't think Poch is going anywhere. Yeah, I, I will, think you're right. Yeah, I, I, will, I will take that bet. Uh, to anybody willing to extend it i don't i if i think potch is here uh for the entirety of the 1920 season Mm -hmm. yeah i think you're right there for sure uh well guys that does conclude today's episode thanks again to my guests jared basamente and boyce richardson as always please do subscribe to our weekly show leave us a kind review and follow us on our social media outlets twitter facebook and instagram uh thanks so much for listening and until next week